на трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небес и плывут. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Russian Football News Podcast, where we're going to be previewing the uh, 2017-2018 season. Uh, joining me, as per usual, my two guests, we've got a writer for Russian Football News, that's Andrew Flint. Hey, it's always good to be back. Looking forward to the season this weekend. Yeah, should be good fun. And uh, Toka, the website editor, Toka Thielade. Uh, hey, Tom. How are you, sir? I'm good as always. Good stuff. Um, so we're going to try and segue a couple of topics into this preview. Talk about the new managers pr- uh, for first, and then we'll go in a bit of more, a bit of a more general season preview. I think so. Um, Andrew, I'll come to you first. The first sort of big managerial move. Well, it's not the first managerial move, but it's the first one we're going to talk about because I would say it's probably the most important. Is uh, Kurban Bediev uh, going back to Rubin Kazan from Rostov? So. We, I think on the last podcast or a couple of podcasts ago, um, we had predicted this. Well, I think everybody predicted this. That's not like an exclusive, but it had, it hadn't been confirmed, but now it's been confirmed and, uh, already making quite a mark there with a few signings. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, like I say, it's, it's not a, the biggest surprise in the world. Um, I remember last summer we were facing where we thought that Dave would end up. Um, you know, there was all that talk of him possibly taking over the Russian national team, talks with Spartak, um, were rumoured, and, and then he returned to Rostov. Well, I'd say his tail between his legs, he, he still did pretty well last season, didn't he? Um, but yeah, back at Rubin, um, bringing Soslan Janayev, Vladimir Granat, Fyodor Kudyashov, good, three good signings. Um, although, to be fair to Rubin, They've not gone absolutely mad with their transfers like they did last summer. And I think that's probably a good thing because I, I don't think a huge amount is needed, but Bedev is the biggest transfer of them all. You know, he, he knows the club obviously inside out and, and uh, those three players, well, it's a, it's a thing Bedev does, isn't it? He brings his, he likes to build his lieutenants, the ones he can trust and rely on. Um, Sada Asmund not joined yet, but I'm, I'm still expecting him to join as well. And if he did, then, then that's a major sign for me because with him and Jonatas up front, they've got a seriously powerful, uh, lethal strike force. So yeah, pretty good time for Rubin. Um, and, but yeah, like I say, the, the transfers he's made, those three from, from Rostov, um, are good signings, but his signing himself is the biggest one for the club for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm predicting Rubin will be challenging pretty high up the table this season. Yeah, I mean, Toko, we've spoken about it on a previous podcast. I'm gonna, again, I'm going to put the same question now that we've seen a new si- a few new signings. Is How high is the expectation now for Rubin? And I'm wondering whether that's just going to be too much because, again, at <laughs> the same point, this is this is like an old record, obviously. But um, a few weeks ago, we talked about how the expectations are high under Gracia and it never formed. Could we see the same again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea of reputation as a... As sort of a wizard, it only got bigger after Rostov. I mean, we all saw what it did at Rostov, and and obviously people. I mean, it's difficult not to expect something similar. Perhaps not Rubin challenging for the title this season, but at least fighting for Europe, perhaps even qualifying for Europe. And I, I think it's it's definitely possible. And as Andrew said, they haven't made many signings this summer, but they have made some important signings. They have signed some of Bedir's chosen ones. I mean, he's a guy who really. He's really loyal to his players, and he, his players are certainly loyal back to him. And, and he has these chosen few players. We saw how he pulled almost the entire Rubin squad to Rostov when he joined them. 
And now he's done the same for, uh, with the rest of players to Rubin Kassan again. Um, and it's very important for him that he has players he can trust. He has players who knows the system and, and can adapt to, to whatever he throws at them. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that Rubin hasn't made that many signs because let, let's be honest. They had a good squad already. They had a lot of, there's a lot of potential in that squad and, it, it's it's really smart of Betty and it's really smart of the club focus on utilizing that potential, getting the most out of the players because they already they have all these great players. They just need to figure out how to get Mvila and Alex Sung and all these uh, super super players to actually perform up to to the maximum level because then they can definitely challenge for for maybe even for the Champions League. I mean, they have a in my opinion they have a much stronger squad than Lokomotiv, for example, and and with smaller on this way out of the door, Crescent are there, probably stronger than them as well. So I think it could be a good season for them, and, and I'm quite excited. I think there's there's a different feeling around this team than last season because you have Bedir back, a guy who knows what not only Ruben Kassan is about, but also what the Russian Premier League is about. So, yeah, there's just so much knowledge there, and, and it, it should be very interesting to follow this season. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, Toka speaks of uh, Jan Envia there, and to be honest, that, that player just absolutely slipped my mind. So I'm wondering... How do you expect him? We'll go probably more into it in the Rubin preview, but just a few words really on how you expect Rubin to deal with that sort of player if Envia sort of goes AWOL again, especially with Benedev because he's he's a bit of a hard nose. Well, that is true. To be fair, um, I, the thing I would say about Jan Envia is I was actually very impressed last season with how he accepted that he was going to be staying in Kazan, and he he, he did knuckle down. And he had some. You know, good performances last season. Um, you know, he clearly doesn't want to stay forever in Russia. And I don't think you can blame players for that. He has come over. And, you know, he, I think, I think if, if his personality clashes with Berdev, he's going to lose that battle. But I don't think it will. Alex Song is who I would worry more about. His, his character's just not settled into Russian life at all. And I just, um, you know, I saw him on social media put a post of him flying in a private jet with Sardar Asman to, to Paris, apparently. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. You can do what you like in your free time and everything, but you just, it just, it's just one little ingredient added on to the whole Alex Song show. Um, and I, I don't see much of a future for him in this, in this outfit. Don't forget Magomed Osler returns on loan, from loan. So that's another, it's almost another sign, if you like. Um, and I think he's more likely to play uh, a bigger role under Bedev. That's just my my instincts, anyhow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just Bedev's control of the squad is is so famous. I think that's going to be the biggest factor. So, a lot depends on the character of the players. But um, and Vila, I think, will probably play a good part. Alex Song, I think, less so. Yeah, Toko. I mean, Andrew mentions uh, Sadar Asmun there, and we we've spoken about him a lot over the last couple of years, and he's got this sort of big connection with Rubin. Now, I'm just thinking, why hasn't he signed yet? I mean, do you, do you know anything about that? Because he's, he's been training with the club on pre-season and everything, so it looks like it's a done deal, really. But you look at all the other sort of relatively quick transfers that have gone through, like Kudryashov we saw coming quite quickly. No one really expected that one. But So why hasn't Asmund come in yet, do you think? Do you think it's still to do with that sort of ownership problem? We had a couple of, uh, was it at the end of last year? when uh, Rostov and Rubin couldn't decide who, who had him? It's a great question. I, to be honest, I don't know. It's, it is, as you said, it's, it's very strange. He has been training with Rubin for two weeks. He constantly posts pictures of himself wearing Rubin training gear, and 
It's all sorry, sorry, Toker. It's almost like he's trying to convince everybody else. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very true, and it's 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 odd that Rostov. I mean, are letting him go to Rubin like that because yeah, Rostov. He's basically the only player in the entire squad that could earn a, a good amount of money on by selling him. We have seen rumors linking him with big West European uh, clubs. Well, I, I don't think he's good enough to move to Everton or Liverpool or whoever's linked with him. But he's definitely a talented guy, and just letting him go train with um, Ruben Kassan for free—that's that's very strange. Um, I don't know. Maybe Bediev is using his connections to to uh, to Rostov. Maybe 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 Rostov are just maybe Rubin and Rostov are trying to get some under the table deal, like I imagine they did with the Yurokin and and Palos and Senate. Uh, I don't know. It it's just very strange. And hopefully it'll be sorted out. I mean, we have the league start this this weekend, so hopefully Rubikasan will have him ready to play by then. But that it doesn't seem to be the case. I don't know. I haven't really heard anything about him being close to signing. But you'd imagine that be the case when he's practically playing for Rubikasan already. Yeah. I, I, speaking of Berdiev and everything, unless anyone has to any add anything, wants to add anything about Berdiev at Rubin, I was going to move on to Rostov. And Kuchuk, does anybody want to add anything? Well, I, th- I think we've, I think we've covered most of um, the, the main points with Bedev, Um Except, yeah, I agree. With, I would just add to what Toka said about Asmoon. It does seem, it does seem strange that uh, Asmoon is not signed yet. The only thing I, anything would say is that it seems, in a weird way, very similar to this transfer of the opposite direction last summer. Um, which I, I think you're probably right, Tom. So I think you've hit Manel on the head there that it's something to do with the the mess over his transfer last summer, which, uh, to my knowledge, was never fine, were never fully um, resolved with that debate being taken to course of arbitration for sport. Um, I don't remember reading about how they had decided that because remember Rubin last summer claimed that theirs was the legal contract and Rostov claimed it was theirs and he ended up playing for Rostov anyway. And he was playing in the Champions League for Rostov while the debate was still being, well, being debated. So I, I can't imagine that's the smoothest transfer. But to me, you know, his link, his loyalty is to clearly to Berdeev, not to a club. Um, I'm sure he'll enjoy playing for Ruby, but only because Berdeev's there. If he wasn't, there's not a chance in hell he'd be playing there. So yeah, I think that's one's, that one's probably going to take a, a little bit of time, but I wouldn't be surprised to just see him appear in a Rubin shirt on the pitch and then for the finer details to be sorted out later. Yeah, I mean, we'll move on to Rostov now and Leonid uh, Kuchuk, I'm not quite sure the exact uh, stress on that name, so apologies for that. But uh, comes in, Toka, for me, this is quite a strange one because Dmitry Kirichenko did quite well last season. He's been demoted to assistant and, I mean, Kuchuk has got a really hard job. We've talked about this sort of ripping up of the Rubin squad, if you like. I mean, you posted a picture, uh, I think it was yesterday on, on Twitter, with the the Rubin squad from one of the one of the Europa League or Champions League games, with all the players sort of blotted out who weren't there anymore. I mean, I'm sure if you go on Toka's Twitter account, you'll find this for the listeners. But I mean, does this seem a strange appointment to you? Because it does to me. I think it's important to remember who was the head coach last season. Yeah, nobody. And, there were three official head coaches, yeah, <laughs> and, and Kirichenko was only the head officially the head coach. I mean, the real head coach was. First in the, of course, we had Badiev, but then it was, uh, Danilians, who, who's now at Rubin with Badiev. So, Kirichenko wasn't more than the assistant last season. So I guess that's, I guess that's why they, he, he kept that position now where they have an, but they have a more clear structure about who, who leads the first team. Um, 
Kuchuk is he's a decent department in my opinion. He's I don't rate him particularly high. I thought I think he, he he's alright. He he didn't really impress me at at the at Kuban and, and then at Lokomotiv he had that one really good season where they almost won the title, finished third after Sinan and Siska, but but that was basically it. After that he the team fell apart and, and he fell apart with it and, and was sacked. So I don't really know what to expect. Obviously this is gonna be a, a terribly difficult season for Rostov and I don't expect Kuchuk to be around for the long run. I think it's it's not just because of him, it's also because of all the changes the club have gone through. It it must be an impossible job to have at the moment, and I I just don't I don't, I can't see him succeed. It's it's just there there are way too many challenges and and obstacles that he needs to overcome. And and when I look at the spot, they've sold almost anybody who who knows how to to juggle a ball at least three times on the foot. They they are gone now, so they have a it it'll be difficult. That's that's all I can say. And yeah, is that is that a Danish saying? About a player knowing how to juggle three times on the foot, I've just never heard it before. I was just wondering whether it's your, one of your Danish proverbs. Oh, it's something my dad always says. <laughs> but Andrew, I mean, on our preparation notes, which I've, I've leaked to the listeners now by saying that we actually have them, we're, we're not all knowledgeable. We do need stuff written <laughs> down. Um, you said that this is the toughest job of all. So, do you see any positivity? I'm looking for you for the positivity once again. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I, I do. I do believe of the of the new managers that have arrived in the well, I say the the new appointments in the RFPL. I do think this is the toughest by far, simply because it's it's not just that the the first team from last season has been completely gutted, um, but also that yeah, kind of like Toto says, he's on a bit of a hike to nothing. He's being, I mean, he he's coming into a club that is in complete mess. Um, the financial problems are only weeks away, no matter how positive the news is with them. Um, the players that... Well, okay, I'll be positive then. I'll stick to the positives. No, you don't have to be. It's fine. You don't have to be. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll at least try for a little bit and then I'll descend into the standard negativity of uh, being a Russian football fan. No, positives for me. Um, they, they don't have a completely awful squad on paper. They should stay up. Um, you know, Artur Yusupov is a competent midfielder. He wasn't any quality for me. Um, Novotselts have come back on loan. I mean, he knows the place. He's done well there. Um, uh, Moussa Dumbia, for me, actually stood out last season on loan at Arsenal Tula. I thought he was excellent. Um, and I think he will play a big part. And Said Ezatolaki, another really good player. Very tall, strong midfielder. Um, so it's going to be a different side. And Kuchuk, I don't, I don't believe he plays the same three-five-two uh, that Berdeyev does, um, but he certainly doesn't have quite the full, I don't know, should we say respect or reputation that Berdeyev has. But there are good players there. Um, the problem is, will he be able to? Will Kuchuk be able to gel them together? And just, I think from the outside, people are going to always compare. Rostov this season to the incredible season they had last season. Um, so, not sure about that. However, the, the you know, another young player that's um, caught my eye as well is this Icelandic defender, Sverre Ingerson. Um, I've heard very, you know, very positive reports about him. A lot of um, money as well spent on him, him in Rostov terms, 1.7 million. Yeah, I, was, I have to say, I was very surprised at that. Um, they, it, I'm very surprised to spend any money at all. Um, so, well, you know, it's, it's a young player who's come in. 
Um, so it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but I think where they're going to struggle is up front. Um, Asmoon, even if he did technically stay, his heart and mind are not there. So realistically, it's Alexander Bukharov, uh, as <laughs> pretty much the only striker. So, um, yeah, decent as he's been. Um, he's not exactly going to tear up the Premier League. So, ah, uh, Christ. If Rostov stay up, I'd say it's a, a, a successful season. It's, it's not, I'm not trying to be too down, but I do genuinely think that would be successful after the turmoil they've had. So, that's what I'm going for. I think they will stay up, but that would be about all. All right. And uh, sort of speaking on Rostov again, and again, we'll get to it probably in the season previews. A lot of Rostov players have left to Zenit, and arguably the biggest name to enter Russian football in a long time has come to Zenit in the foot of uh, Roberto Mancini. So the Italian, the former Manchester City Inter Milan manager, of course. I mean, Toka, this is a huge coup for Zenit. Yeah, it's, I was very impressed. I mean, we, we had it was almost written before we saw it, before it became official, but I think Mancini will be, uh, he's a good fit with Zenit. I mean, first of all, signing him uh, as a head coach it's just a, it's a huge sign of intent from, from Senate, from Gazprom. It really shows ambition. It shows that, um, well, it shows that, the, that they want to get back into Europe and, and actually try to perform at the very best. What I'm worried about is that Mancini doesn't have this history of great European campaigns. And that, that's really what Senate needed at this point. They really need to, to, yeah, they, we still talk about that 2008, um, UEFA Cup win, but they need to follow up on that and, they have just failed to do so in, in so many years. So it'll be, it, that's, that's, uh, we said the same thing about Luchesco and, and Willis Boas, of course, but that's his main task to, to be successful in Europe, but obviously, obviously to, to get back into the Champions League, first of all, um, this season. They, they have made some interesting signings. To be honest, I'm not really impressed. I think this, uh, Paredes guy from, from Roma and, and the young Argentinian striker, uh, Triusi, I think they'll both, they'll both probably both do very well, but, then last season, Thomas, I know especially you and I, we talked a lot about them going for quantity over quality. They signed a lot of, uh, especially Russian-based players, none of them really good enough for the team. And I think they've done the same this season, unfortunately. Uh, guys like Yerokin, Polos, Tedenchev, I just don't think they're good enough. Maybe Polos can play a role. He, he is, after all, a good striker, but I think that they have, what, what do they have now? Like seven signings? And I think too many of them are mediocre. I don't think, they're good enough for the team. That I don't think they're good enough for the level they need to be on to be uh, to achieve the success they want. And I think it's a shame. I I assume it's because they want to to make some sort of spring cleaning in the club. We have already seen Yusupov move to Rostov, and and I guess they have to to find some new mediocre Russians to replace the ones who have left. Yeah, I mean, what I'm thinking, Andrew. I mean, you can give your own opinion on Mancini, of course. I'm wondering how much the um the direct, direct, the sporting director here, Konstantin uh, Sarsania, has has an influence on these transfers that Toka mentions. I think, um, Thomas, that the the signing of Mancini, it's that signals what they intend to do with the transfers because Mancini is obviously a huge name. His salary will be enormous, and um, and I think Sarsania is. I don't think it's entirely stupid to go for at least some big names. Paredes and Giusio, there's a lot of interest in them. I actually, I actually think of those Rostov players that Toka mentioned. I think, um, Christian Nabor, I think could play a huge part. And Polos, 
should, in my view, make that first 11. However, you look at their squad, and I'm actually wondering how it's all going to fit in, because they've now got a very, very big squad. Um, sorry, 29, 30-odd players in the squad. And you look up front, a lot has been said about, you know, the we've debated on Russian football news a lot between our writers about Alexander Kokorin, and I'm actually a fan of his. I'm a believer that he's um, developed into a different player, um, obviously, he's not much of a goal scorer anymore, but um, he plays a more selfless role. But if you've got Kokorin, Polos, Driussi now, uh, Zuba, um, Alexander Yerokin, Giuliano, um, Johan Molo even, you know, you've got about seven or eight players that can only fit into four places. So, realistically, somebody's got to get, um, and I'm not entirely sure how that's going to fit in. But... It is a top-quality squad. You can't deny that. Um, they're certainly stronger than they were um, on paper last season. So, but the, that's the thing, though, isn't it? That you know, Toka mentioned the record in Europe. That's where that's where a, a Zenit manager is going to, well, I'm not say survive, but thrive, should we say? That's the measure of success at Zenit, as it should be at a big club. Um, I'm not saying they deserve to win the Europa League, but they should be getting to the very final stages of it. Otherwise, what on earth is the point? You know, they're not they're not moving forward if they don't aim for that. Um, I actually think being in the Europa League will be good for them. I think it's the right. Um, I think it's the right competition. So um, they've got a reasonable chance of that. And if they can get to at least the semi-finals, it's good for Russian coefficient points, and it'll be good for their good for the players. So they're more likely to stay. So um, I'm hoping I'm hoping to see a lot for Polos, uh, particularly. Um, but Zinni, they're looking dangerous, that's all I can say. So, um, interesting to see how they manage under Mancini. Yeah, I mean, Toka, I'm looking at these Zenit signings just on, online here. And, and again, we've spoken about it a lot in the past. There's never really been that much of a problem with the forward line, but they haven't improved the back line again for another season running. Or I should no. say Mancini hasn't, because this is, this is the subject here. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. And, and they have even lost Lombards now. So they look, they look kind of fragile down there. And I wrote a piece, I think it was in May or something like that, about what they had to do with the squad. And one of the main points was that they, 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 it was crucial for them to, to strengthen the defense because not only are the players old, but they just don't have enough of them. And I don't know, maybe, maybe he trusts Novoselsov to, to perform this season. Lucescu really didn't really, but, Maybe maybe Mancini sees something different, but it it is about time. And if you look at the players, of course they brought in Tenerife. He's twenty four. They have themselves of he's twenty five. But but the rest of them, especially the central defenders, they are all around thirty. So it it's an aging unit. And I think perhaps Mancini just I know the this season we have the top three instead of the top two goes into the Champions League. And I think perhaps Mancini says, okay, well. It's easier to get in the Champions League this season. Once we get into the Champions League, not only do they get more money, but it will also become a more attractive destination for the players. And then that's why the signings this season have have not been the big names we, we expected because he's simply waiting to get into the Champions League where he can get the players a bit cheaper because it's a more attractive destination, but, but also just simply better players because the best players want to play in the Champions League. So I think maybe he's just, he's waiting a season and then next season we'll see the big, the big investments and and the complete rejuvenation of the uh, of the central defense. That that's what I'm hoping. 
just, just a quick one before we finish on Mancini, by the way. The two big signings that you've mentioned are Paredes and uh, Driussi. I'm looking at them, looking at their age, 23 Paredes, 21 Driussi. I'm looking at them, there's a long-term profit in there. And that's actually what Furusenko said. He hasn't he hasn't shied away from that. He said they'll be worth whatever, three times as much we pay for them in the future, Andrew. So good investments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think there's any shame in, you know, I think you've got to be realistic. The, the Russian league is not the most attractive at the moment and it's going to take a long time to make it uh, a, an attractive option for the absolute top bracket of European players. So Paredes is going to move on. He's not going to stay in St. Petersburg for his whole career. Um, I mean, if he does, I will eat my words, but I don't see it happen. Um, but it doesn't matter. You know, who cares? You get two or three, what, one, two, three good seasons out of him, enough to make a profit. And like Toka says, the main, the, the sole target is get into the Champions League. And at that stage, you'll be able to bring in other players of at least similar quality anyway. So, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's very sensible, um, transfer moves. Overall, I think, Zenit have done very, very well. Last summer, they, they were not so good in the transfer market. This season, I think they've done a reasonable job. The defence, like you mentioned, though, yep, that needs, um, needs a bit of attention. But I, I've actually, I actually felt when Ivanovic arrived, I thought that was a great signing because I think he should be played at centre back, not, not at right back, his complete waste there. And he wasn't used there by, um, Luchescu. By Luchescu, sorry. Um, so, and I, and I think that is, if Mancini realises that that's where Ivanovic is best, he doesn't have a great deal of pace at the moment, but he's a very good organiser, he's a good leader. Um, really forget about Luis Neto, should have forgotten about him years ago, but never mind, he's still there, we can't do anything about that. Um, and make a partnership him, Ivanovic and Novotilsev, perhaps. Um, uh, Jovanovic, um, back, back on loan, uh, again, young player, could he come back into the squad? Possibly so. Rumoured to be going uh, back though to Bordeaux, and also the other two you mentioned. I'm <laughs> sorry to kill your party, Andrew, but um, Neto and Ivanovic rumoured to be on the way out as well. So they're they're ones to keep an eye out on. But, but that, that's that's what I'm saying. I think it's good that Neto is going because he's just a disaster waiting to happen. So that is almost I almost say it's like a signing losing <laughs> Neto is like a signing. So he definitely won't be on the pitch anymore. But no, you're right. It did for a for a. You know, a season fighting on three fronts, which is what Zanid want to be doing. They want to get, I mean, I say the, the cup. People may laugh, but it's another trophy. Um, Europe and the league, they need more than just, uh, Ivanovic, Novotelsev. And well, that's, that's about it at centre back. Um, I guess Javi Garcia might be able to fill in for a few games there, but that's not what you want. And so, yeah, come sign a couple of centre backs and I'd say that squad is pretty much complete. Okay, so let's move on to uh, Arsenal Tula now, who have um, the newly promoted side, of course, have got uh, Miodrag uh, Bozovic here. Um, quite an experienced manager, Toko. I'm looking here, he's only 49, but he's been managing since 2000, and managed quite a few RPL clubs as well, so got a lot of experience in the Russian Premier League. This is a good move for Arsenal by the looks of it, I think. Yeah, but it's like his eighth or ninth Russian team. It's, yeah, it's, definitely just... a man who, it's definitely a man who knows the league and who knows the country. Uh, and I like him very much. I know he, his time at Lokomotiv, the sort of the peak of his career wasn't very good, but he seems to have done quite, quite well in Serbia before this, winning the league with the, was it Red Star? I think it was Red Star. He got Amkar into the Europa League as well. Exactly. And, and he's a guy, uh, well, he knows what it takes. He's, he's sort of like, uh, <laughs> a Montenegrin Badiev. I mean, he, he sets up very well defended teams. They are always physically very strong. They know how to defend. 
and they just deliver results. They just grind out results. Very difficult to play against. And I think he's an, he's an excellent signing for a club like Arsenal. Um, ex- excellent to get a, a guy like him in who knows what, what it takes to stay up. And I'm, I'm positive. But of course, we all know the problems, at least, especially the smaller clubs face. I mean, as it can change, Arsenal's situation could change overnight if someone decides to, to stop setting their money and all that. But by the looks of it right now, I think it's, it, it looks good, and they've made some decent signings. I don't know if they've made enough signings, and but but for example, it brought this former Serbian youth international uh, Kolsic in, and yeah, they, it, I think it looks good for them. I'm I'm looking forward to follow, following them this season and and Bosovich as well. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, last time Arsenal were in the Russian Premier League, we saw Dmitry Alenichev come in, of course, who um, who's manager at Spartak then got sacked, but he brought in that really sort of exciting brand to Arsenal. And I don't want to sort of say anything, demean Bozovic at all. In fact, I'm going to do the total opposite. But we might see a completely different brand, but actually that'll be better for the club. Well, I think uh, I think it's... Um... It's going to be, yeah, like Toby said, it's a very interesting season for Arsenal. And uh, bringing in Bosovic, I think, I think a big name can do it can do a lot for the the short term of a club. I mean, you know, the number of times over the last couple of seasons we've seen, not just with Arsenal but with other clubs throughout the Premier League, when a new manager has come in, they often have a pretty positive effect on results. And Bosovic is a big character. He's not going to be. I mean, his experience in Russia, his what is his experience? Um, overall, but particularly obviously, is enough that he he knows what he's doing, and he's got he bought Sergei Tikhachov coming in. Felicio Brown Forbes is a personal favourite of mine. I think he could be an interesting player um, for them. Suddenly, you've got you know you've got two attacking options there. Krausic, I don't know much about him, but you know he must be fairly highly rated if he's a youth international. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's it's not going to be dull for Arsenal. That's what we can certainly say for this season. Um, I think I think if they again they're another club I'd put in the bracket of survive and that's a successful season. Um, all I would say is if things don't go Bosovic's way in terms of investment, if he's been promised more signings and he doesn't get them, I don't think he's going to stick around for too much longer. Um, you know, he has shown that he <laughs> he moves on quickly um, if he's not happy. So. I think a good signing overall for them. And if he can add one or two more signings, I'm sure he's hoping to do before the close of the transfer window, then Arsenal should be relatively confident, I think, of, of staying up this season. But again, just before we move on, just to make a general point, I'm going to repeat the point that Toka made because it was so important that any sort of, if someone decides to stop sending Arsenal money, is the direct quote that Toka said, then the situation completely changes. Um just uh, the last managerial change then, we've seen that uh, they've got a new name, Ahmad Grozny, changing from Terek Grozny. Uh, but they've appointed uh, Alia Kononov, Toka. Now, for me, this is quite a good appointment because I feel, still feel he was unfairly dealt with at Krasnodar. Did quite well there, so he should do well at a sort of similar range club, I would say. Yeah, it seems like a, a promising signing. What I'm surprised is how different he is from the former coaches. I mean, Kononov is a guy... Especially, he liked to play, he played entertaining football. He played some offensive-minded football and quick attacking football. And that's let, let's be honest, that's not really what, what Terry, uh, what yeah, Terry stands for. What Mark, uh, yeah, we're going to keep saying Terry for the next few months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's a 
it's a huge change in, in my opinion, it seems like a huge change in, in the tactics of the team. I mean, Tarek has always been a team very well structured, um, defensive minded, but, uh, with some very least, some lethal uh, counterattacks. And, okay, Kronov, he, he's also a guy who, who knows how to set the team up to attack on counters, but I think they'll press higher up the pitch now. They'll be more in position than they used to be. And I, I think that'll be interesting to follow. I, I, I like, the team very much. They have some good players. They have one of the best infrastructures in the league as well. They have all the stability you need to to be successful in Russia. I mean, they have money coming in every every month. They're never late on payments. They have a nice stadium, a good following. It it could be what they need to to take the next step up because last season we saw them finish fifth, the best um the best finish in the league ever, and that that's that's something to build on and. I think he can do that. I think he can. Uh, I think he can help them take the next step, exactly like he did at Crystal actually. I mean, to, sorry, sorry, Andrew. Um, again, going back to these notes, these these holy notes. Um, you put here that uh, Akmat different atmosphere to Krasnodar in that um, Ramzan Kadyrov is a bit more boisterous than Galitskin, a bit less patient. So that that could count against him. Well, yeah, it could do. I mean. I mean, Toka makes a good point. The the about the infrastructure of the club. Um, the the club is clearly a very important tool in the in the political sphere, if you like. I mean, just <laughs> the, the sponsor, the name of the ground, the name of the club now, all linked to Ahmad, uh, Ahmad. Sorry. Um, so you know, it's it, they're not going to allow it to to flounder. But like, well, like I mentioned. Um, you know, Toka's Toka's good friend Ramzan Kadyrov is is not a shy, shrinking violet. He gets involved in the running of the club, and generally speaking, he does have the club's interest, best interests at heart. Um, I, I'm just I'm just wondering how Kononov will fit into that 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 atmosphere. Although, like you mentioned, they had a great season last season. Um, Able and Benge, I think, could play a bigger part this season. Didn't play as much as he usually does. Certainly not in the first part of the season uh, under Rashid Rakhimov. So I think he's he's a, a very very dangerous player. Um, him and Bekin Balai could make a very interesting partnership up front. So Konov's got all the he's got in wanted he's got all the ingredients for success. Um, I just hope that um, Kadyrov is is patient enough with him because if, if there's anything about Sergei Galitsky is that he was very very patient and has been for a decade, basically, um, building up the club from um, from virtually nothing to to having you know tentacles spread over the whole of Krasnodar Krai. Um, but you know, it's I, I hope I hope for Konov's sake that he is given the patience because I like you know like we mentioned it was it was just harsh how he was he was sacked from from uh, Krasnodar. So I think um, yeah, good signing, good sign for Ahmad. Um, interesting to see how the three young Brazilians they signed, which I confess to not having seen before. I don't watch a lot of Brazilian football, but, um, maybe they are, you know, purchases for sell on value in the future. I don't know, but we'll see. They've got a relatively good squad. So can they make Europe? They're certainly in the mix for Europe. Um, I think they'll certainly be up there at the end of the season. I mean, I think, go on, Toka. Yeah. I think you're actually underestimating the club a bit now because for example the former head coach uh, Rachimov he was there for three seasons he would have stayed had he not gone sick last season it it has actually been a 
quite stable club over the last few seasons. I mean, how many other Russian clubs have had the same head coach for th- three full seasons? Uh, and before they had Cheshire and he was like that for, for two seasons uh, before leaving when his contract expired. So actually, I, I, I'm not too worried about Kronov getting enough time and enough trust from the board because they have they have showed that. And under Rakimov, we saw how when you, when they trust the head coach and, and he gradually developed the club and they perform better and better, they definitely back him. I mean, you never saw any problems with him and, and the club in the last few seasons. So, so I'm not too afraid of them giving him problems that way, especially not if he performs well. Yeah, and just just for the listeners who are <clears throat> excuse me listening on the uh, format of the, the our new format on the World Football Index, if you go on the Russian foot the old Russian Football News SoundCloud page, and if you search through the Russian Football News website, you can find our special on Chechen football where we sort of discuss the whole political scene that we've we've sort of touched upon there. But now, if um, we've sort of gone through those new managers, so now I want to do sort of a quick season preview, not going team by team because we've got written previews up on the website going up every day on each of the teams, more in-depth things. So if you want to read about specific teams, then that's the place to go. But I'm just looking at the uh, the table, sort of looking at the, the positions rather than the teams, if you like. So Russia, with the new coefficient ratings from UEFA, means that they have two automatic uh, Champions League spots this season and then a third qualification spot. Then they've got two Europa League, Europa League spots and then, of course, the bottom two go down with the two relegation playoffs. So, um, Andrew, coming to you first, title pick this is where everyone looks really stupid at the end of the season by the way <laughs> yeah I, I i got it i got it right two seasons ago with Cisco and i got it wrong last season with Cisco again i'm not going to make the same mistake three three seasons in a row which probably means they will win the title but um no i think um it's actually very hard to call this one for me it's just this it's not imaginative but it's a straight shot between um Zenith and spartak Zanita have made a hell of a lot of signings. Spartak haven't needed to, basically. And they, well, I say keeping hold of promise has been a signing itself, I'd say, so far anyway. Um, on balance, I'm going to just about edge with Spartak, um, only because they haven't needed to make changes. I'm not saying Zanita aren't capable of it, but there's, there's a... I'm not doubting it, but there is a question mark over a lot of change at the club. Spartak has settled under Carrera now. Um, there's trust in him, at least. Um, so I'm going to edge with Spartak, but it's going to be, I think, very, very close because he knows to. Cisco will be there or thereabouts, and I think that will be the Champions League place to me. So I'd go something like Spartak first, then he's second automatic, and then Cisco into the Champions League qualifiers. Um, what about you, Toke? What's your take on that top three? I've I thought a long time about who will win the league this season, and it's it's very difficult to predict. I mean, I can find great reasons for all of these clubs not to win the league. We have Senate, where I'm not entirely convinced about the strength of the squad. We have Spartak, who for once played in, the, in Europe, and I guaranteed a place in the in the group stage. For example. One of the main reasons for the success last season was that they didn't play in Europe. They, they could focus all their energy and time on the league, and that's different this season. Uh, and I think they, they, they will struggle with that. And then we have Siska, who... Actually, I think Siska are the strongest right now. I think they'll... I'll, I'll go with them as champions. I, they don't have the standout players as, as Senegal and Spartak do, but I think they're just more reliable. They have all these... I mean, they have the, the whole spine of the team, team hasn't changed 
they know what to do, they know how to play in Europe, and then we have Goncharenko, he has finished sort of his his first six months, and uh, and now he's 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 ready to to really lift the club. And yeah, I, I think I'll go with the uh, Suzuki champions, Senna number three, and then that's uh, number two, and then Spartak number three. What would be really interesting? That's the Europa League spots, and and I'm sure you'll ask me that about that in a minute, so I won't go into that now. Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I love that, by the way, Toka, that you can think of reasons for them not to win the title. It's the classic Russian football pessimism that we love here. <laughs> I was just <laughs> um, I- I'm going to give my opinion here because I-, I feel like I-, I get an opinion once every few episodes. Um, so I think I-, I, t- I agree with you about Spartak, Toka. I think that European football thing could be a big thing. But what I would say about Siska is that the problems last season were up front and they haven't bought a proper striker, really. I mean, you could say Chalov, everyone talks about but I'm still not convinced. But again, with the Zenit thing, it's can you trust them? <laughs> so, oh, I've said I'm going to make a prediction and now I can't, which is a bit embarrassing. But um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's tough, tough, right? It is tough. I'll go, I'll go Zenit, then I'll go Siskar because they have that history of sort of getting the job done. And then I think Spartak, with, depends how far they go in Europe, but Spartak and Siska to battle for for second and third and then I'll go Zenit as champions because I'm very biased um, <laughs> so then then the Europa League spots I mean Toka you, I'm going to let you build up your energy for this and come to Andrew first I mean we spoke about actually the, the, just going back to that Champions League spot thing and w- w- this ties in with the Europa League we don't think Rubin have got a, got a chance of doing that for the Champions League yeah I think it's just a tiny step too far for them at the moment. But um, to very smoothly segue into the Europa League discussion, um, I'm going to say I do think Rubin will be one of the two Europa League uh, teams this season. Um, mostly for the reasons we mentioned earlier about Medev, but but also because you know last season was disappointing, but it was disappointing because they had a lot of the elements they needed to do better. They just didn't have the cohesion or the... The, the leadership, basically. So, um, for me, I'm going for, I mean, I think we all relatively settled on top three, what we think, uh, Zanit Spartak, Tiska. So for Europa League, for me, I'm going to go, it's quite tough this really, because my heart wants to say Krasadar, but my head is thinking that, um, that Lokomotiv might have a shot. Um, I know that's a bit of a risky prediction to make simply because they, yeah, they're very hard to very hard to predict. And terrible last season as well, to be fair. Well, they say terrible. They were in certain respects, but they had, you know, um, Manuel Fernandes for me was such a good player in the second half of the season, especially. Um, and I think the fact they signed Solomon Cook Value at the back, I think it's a big, big sign for them. Um, I don't know. I, I think realistically, I'm going for Rubin Krasadar, Europa League. Uh, I think dark horses for Europa League, Lokomotiv and and Akhmat Skrosny, I think those will be there or thereabouts. But I'm going for, uh, I'm going to go for Krasnodar fourth, Rubin fifth. That's my Europa League spots. Yeah, I mean, Toka, we talk, we talk a lot about <coughs> excuse me, Krasnodar on this show. And I'm wondering if Fyodor Smolov goes, whether he stays in Russia, I mean, hopefully not, or goes to Europe. Do Krasnodar rely too much on him and therefore their Europa League campaign could really falter if he leaves? Yeah, we have seen before when when he's injured that the results they just they come from they go from good to bad in in a, in a few seconds. He is perhaps the most important player in the 
in the league. I mean, we all, in America, they always talk about the MVP. And it, for, for me, that's definitely smart. I mean, he means so much to that team. And if they lose him, it doesn't look like they'll, like they'll lose him to Europe. It looks like they'll lose him to, to Spartak Moscow, actually. And if it does that, then, okay, they have made some decent signings, but I, I think they'll struggle. It'll be a completely new reality for them. And, and I think it'll be, it should be very difficult to, to adapt to, to life after Smolov. Um, it, it speaks to their advantage though, that there are not really many teams challenging for these Europa League spots. Andrew mentioned Locomotive and I, I have to disagree with that. I have honestly no faith in Locomotive this season. I think, oh, in the transfer window, okay, they did sign Craig Williams, they did sign Ari permanently, but they have lost all the depth in the squad. The players, the profiles on the team, apart from Mirinchuk, they're all around the 30, and I just, they have so many mediocre players. I, I really don't expect them to do anything. And then I heard the press, I think it was the president saying that they, uh, that they want to play in the Champions League next season, and it, it, it just seems delusional to me. That's a classic was, Russian club yeah, owner was, thing, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, was, I was quite frankly shocked because they have no, unless something crazy happens, of course, Unless they go full rust of next season, there's literally no no uh, chances of doing that. I mean, they should be happy qualifying for the Europa League, and I don't even think that will happen. I, I think I think Ruben Kassan will will play in, in the Europa League. Their advantages, of course, is like Rostov two years ago that they don't play in Europe, like Sparta last season they don't play in Europe, so they can focus solely on the league and that and, and the couple as well, of course. Uh, so I, I think Ruben Kassan will probably finish fourth. Um, and for the fifth, I'll go with Krasnodar. And then, and to, and the main challenge for those two teams will be not Lokomotiv, but uh, instead Ahmad Krasny. So you're, you're going, so you went with uh, Rubin and Krasnodar for the, the, the Europa League. And what, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, those, those are my two, two calls too. I think, I think the thing for Krasnodar and, you know, these cucumber days to, to borrow a daily saying, is that they haven't signed a they haven't signed an out and out forward, which they will eventually definitely need to replace Smoth when he unfortunately inevitably leaves. Um, because you need a, you need a squad, not just a team, to to succeed in the league or in Europe. And with Smoth, they have one of the best teams in the league. But without him, unfortunately, it does it does leave them slightly slightly short change. Really, um, I think. What was, what's been really odd for me in the last six months with, uh, Krasadar, so if we take the winter transfer window as well into account, is, is how they have just let their forwards leave. Uh, Wanson leaving to Dynamo and you mentioned Ari, of course, signing for Locomotive, um, without really signing a direct replacement. I thought both of those transfers were very, very strange. So, um, they definitely need to sign a striker, but you know, the cucumber days are still here. So there's still time. Uh, Toki, Toki, you've got to have to explain Cucumber Days to the listeners because everyone's just going to be losing it, wondering what's going on. Oh, well, basically, basically, this Danish thing, we, uh, it's very commonly used in Denmark. Basically, it just means it's the summer period where there are no news uh, in, the, in the media, so the newspapers just either make up random stuff or report about completely de- ridiculous small things. So, yeah, it's, it's this boring summer period when nothing happens. It's it's a, it's a cucumber days, and it's freshened up by those cucumbers. Um, 
my predictions again, I've, I've got to join the both of you here. Rubin and Krasnodar, I, I think Ahmad could challenge, but I, I'm not quite sure. It, it, a lot of it depends on how Krasnodar replaced Smolov. Um, let's skip through mid-table, because it's mid-table. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and now we'll focus on the bottom, which we haven't really done. We've done a bit on Tula earlier, but not much other than that. Rostov could struggle. But um, looking at the newly promoted sides, Andrew, here, Skakhabarovsk, uh, are we going to assume uh, Dinamo stay up? Because they've, they've, I mean, Panchenko's not there anymore unless he re-signs in the next uh, month and a half. He has signed. Oh, he's re-signed? He oh, yeah, he's re-signed. Yeah, he has. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think of the promoted sides, I think uh, Dinamo will be, will be safe because... I mean, okay, yes, it was the Fennel, but I, I watched them, I watched them at the Georg Stadium last season, and, you know, last game of the season was, in fact, uh, Chimen against Dinano, Dinamo, and I was watching. Chimen Bingo! But a Chimen Bingo was another Bingo coming up in a second. I was looking forward to seeing the, you know, the battle between Panchenko and Hassan Mamtov for top goal scorer in the Fennel, <laughs> and Dinamo were just, um, they were a class above, and they, yeah, they didn't have to try desperately hard to beat you, man. But, um, you know, she had a, a decent side at this level and they just dismantled them. And they don't look in, they don't look in any particular concern, I don't think, over the next season. Signing Wanderson is a great, great option for them because I think he's a proven, a proven player at this level. And they, they've got a good core of that side. They've played together for a long time. Some of them through the youth system for many years. So I think Dynamo is safe. Um, uh, just just a quick one on Dynamo for the both of you actually there were stories coming out yesterday that they had a stadium built for them by uh, VTB and then now they're refusing to play in that stadium so again it's that Russian football thing of off-field problems will always cause trouble I was outside the, the ground as it was being built about two, two weeks ago three weeks ago and I mean you can tell from the structure it is going to be an absolutely phenomenal structure. It's not just a football stadium. The actual whole structure will cover an indoor arena as was well. It, was it actually I'm ready, honest. Andrew? Sorry. Was it actually no, finished? No, no, no. Oh, mile, miles away from oh. being ready. Um, I, I can't believe it will be ready before the end of the season from what I've seen. Oh, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a construction site at the moment, but it, it, you can tell the, the, the general frame of the stadium, you can you can get a good impression of what it's going to look like. And it, it looks absolutely stunning. I mean, like a lot of Russian stadiums being built, it's in basically an entire complex you know there's going to be a, a whole business park they've got a new the new headquarters of dynamo moscow being built there um quite why they're saying they don't like it i read that story too i found it quite astonishing really um but you know it's they're not going to be saddled with debt it's been paid for them by vtb i believe um so they're very very, very odd but yes like you say very very russian as well <laughs> and Toka, we have to mention it because this is this is going to be another bingo over the next season. Skakhabarovsk, of course, playing out in the Far East. Igor Akinfeyev once said they should be playing in the Japanese league. Um, this is going to be... I mean, the thing is, it goes both ways. And you'll see a written preview on this soon. <laughs> is that the, the location goes both ways in that it's an advantage for them because the opposition will be tired. But then they travelling all the time is obviously a real weakness. I mean, do you have any hope for Khabarovsk? No, not really. I think... We we know how how much how big the problems are for not only Sabarov but also uh, but also Vladivostok looking at gear. Uh, I think it was actually Luke that uh, I can say have talk, talked about when he said they should play in the Japanese league. It was when they played in the in the Premier League a few years ago, and it was after a Cisco away game there. 
I think, well, you can say it's an advantage. Obviously, it's an advantage when when the, the opponents have to fly eight, ten hours to, to get to the game. But, well, we also have that they need to do it every other week, while the opponents only need to do it once per season. And not only is it tough for the players, it's tough to get players to move all the way out to, well, basically Japan and North, it's on the border to North Korea. That's, that's crazy. Watch out for um, Kim's missiles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also it's, it's just so expensive to have to fly every other week across the country. Uh, it, it, it's no coincidence that them and Luke uh, are constantly struggling financially because obviously it's, it's crazy expensive. And, and now we're in the, in the Premier League, they need to have a, a slightly bigger squad. They need to have, uh, Better players, maybe they they even need to upgrade the the conditions on the flight. I mean, it it only gets more expensive. Um, so I think they'll struggle. I think they'll they'll go down again. Unfortunately, I think it's it's fun to have them up, but I I can't see them surviving. Uh, I think Tusno, the obviously Dinamo Moscow is going to do fine to finish somewhere mid table. I think Tusno, the the other uh, promoted team, I think they, they'll do quite well. I, I'm I'm positive they had this. Um, Private owner seems like an ambitious club. Seems like a club who's who's taking things at a at a, at a, a decent and a, a intelligent pace instead of just rushing forward, signing ten new players and then releasing them the day after when they realize they don't have the money. But Tusna could also go down. When you look at the squad, it's not really. It's I'm not impressed and don't really have that much experience, uh, Premier League experience, everything. So I think that these two teams will be in very uh, much in the danger zone of, of going down. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Tottenham next season because they're playing at Petrovsky, of course, Zenit's old ground, so it get, means I get to watch uh, Premier League football at Petrovsky next season, which I'm really excited about, so that'll be great fun. But, um, Andrew, would you go with uh, Toka there with the Scar and Tottenham? I think, personally, I'm thinking the other teams are quite glad that they're in because they look <laughs> rather more inept. Yeah, I think... Um... It, again, it's not desperately imaginative, but I, yes, I do, I do go along with that. I think they are likely to be the bottom two. I'll be amazed if, and I, I don't wish ill of them. I, in a way, I'd be quite happy for the, well, the novelty of Havarus, but also, you know, the project that Tosnor have, you know, being a very young club, but well backed. Um, it'd be good to see them if they can maintain that to be a well balanced club if they do survive, but I do see it being difficult for them. Uh, so yeah, I'd go along with those two to go, uh, to go down. And in terms of the others in contention for the relegation playoff, uh, Angie, I've got to say, because I just think they're just a complete crazy. But Mantov's going to keep him up, Andrew. That, that's the plan. We're firing to the title. Is it. That is why I'm not, but I'm not backing them for automatic relegation. Lord Mantoff will, will score some important goals. And just out of interest, just in case anybody is interested, probably not. But um, <laughs> Mantoff is my captain for the sports.ru fantasy league team. So, oh, wow. Okay. Double points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. What, what is he? Is he 87th most influential man in two men or something, something like that? Well, actually, he's only the 93rd. But, oh. um, which, but not only that, he's only the 93rd most influential under 35 year old in two men. But that's still a, a very, very valuable title to hold. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I could just, I joke about how brilliant Mamtoff is. I mean, he is brilliant, but, um, it, it's, it is unfortunately a sign of Angie's ability to bring in players that Mamtoff is 33 and he has, he hasn't had pace for about five years. And if that's the sort of sign they're bringing in, um, it does show their inability to attract slightly younger, slightly, um, 
more, you know, worldwide um, players, if you like. So I do think Angie might be in a spot of bother. Um, Rostov, I want them to stay up, and I think they probably will, but they're definitely a candidate for the the relegation playoff area. Um, and Arsenal Tula for me. So those three teams are in danger of being in the relegation playoffs for me. Okay, and what about your pick for the, the playoffs, Toka? It's it's an unforgivable task you've given me, Tom. As we see every season, there's so many teams who can finish on that, and it, it really comes down to who has the least crazy experience of the, of the season. I agree with Andrew. Andrew obviously, uh, Anji, Arsenal, Ural, sorry, Andrew. I was going to say Ural. I, I was thinking yeah, Ural. These, these, yeah, Why were you going to say Ural? That is just awesome, man. <laughs> the it's the loss of Pavlichenko, mate. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I mean. You know, minus Pavlichenko. I mean, okay, I'm not thrilled at Igor Portnyagin coming in, but um, I'd say he is better to have around them than Pavlichenko. And we've kept all the best players as well. Jusam Lungu, you know, Eric Bickfalvi's there. Uh, Yemelyanov is still there. So, you know, you guys will be eating your words when uh, Ural break into the Europa League this season. Yeah. And last season they finished two points above the rele- <laughs> the relegation playoff. Apparently, yeah, yeah, let's, let's brush over that part. Let's brush over that. It's, but it's, it's very close in the bottom. Um, it's very close between Anji, Ural, Arsenal. These teams could definitely end up down there. I mean, you could even see if the, then we have the facts of something crazy happening, uh, like Dynamo Moscow. I could also see Rasta finish down there. Uh, if I had to pick two, I'll, I'll go with uh, Anji and. Um, and and Arsenal. Yeah, I'll meet you on that one, Toka. Yeah. So I think that pretty much brings up I mean, like I said earlier in the in the podcast, there are written previews going up on the website if you want more in depth things about the team. Uh, so for all World Football Index listeners, if you this is the second episode, so if you want previous podcasts as well, they're on the Russian Football News page on the SoundCloud and things. Um, just time to promote again. We'll promote ourselves because this is only our second outing on World Football Index, and we'll go ahead and promote all our social media as well. So, Toka, um, I'm going to give you the social media designation and and your own Twitter handle. Well, as as Tom said, visit our website RussianFootballNews.com. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming in the next days. Not only previews, but uh, not only seasons previews, but also betting betting uh, advice on Russian Premier League. We have previews for all the games. We have some cool, great. Fantastic new features coming up uh, in the coming days, and visit our Twitter at uh, Russ Football News and uh, our Facebook Russia Football News, where you can also find out our writings. You can watch, um, you can join our predictions league, which I'm, I'm sure Andrew will talk more about. And then, of course, don't forget to follow me on Twitter as well. It's at uh, Toke T O K E T L A T H E I L A D. Perfect, and we've also got the Instagram Russ Football News as well. That, that's exactly. right. It's the same as the Twitter. Exactly. Russian football news. You can find us on YouTube at Russian football news. If you if you listen from Russia and you have a, a VK profile, you can find us there as well. So there's plenty of ways to get in touch. We'd also always love to hear from you. We'd love to discuss Russian football with you, football with you. If you have any opinions, let us know. If you have any questions, let us know, and we'd be more than happy to to answer them and and help you in any way we can. I was going to say that. Before I come to you, Andrew, on the Predictions League and everything, I was going to say, if any sort of new listeners coming through World Football Index have any questions for us, any sort of... No question is too stupid. Don't don't be worried about asking any question, but we'll we'll try and discuss it on the podcast because we love to try and help people out, essentially. Uh, but, Andrew, the, the Russian Football News Predictions League is back. 
for the for the league. Yes, yes, it is. Um, I mean, basically, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's 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 that simple. All you have to do is is predict the results of all eight Russian Premier League games each week. We run it through the Facebook page, so. Um, have a look. The, the post is up there. Every week we do a, pre- a preview video, so you get a, a little idea of how the team's doing, uh, and then you comment below that with your score lines. We do the rest. We put them on a spreadsheet, and each week we'll update everybody with you know how the leaderboard is going. Um, there's a lot more explaining it in more detail written down on the website. Got an article up, um, the predictions league there. Um, but also, we're going to start a newsletter as well. So. If you if you want to keep up to date with what's going on on the site, um, up to date on the predictions league, then just like I say, head to our Facebook page and send us a direct message with an email address, and we can add you to the mailing list. And there will also be prizes on offer for the predictions league this season. Was that box of celebrations and heroes or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we're going even grander than that. Um, we're going to have quite a few people um, from our team will be going to matches throughout the season. So we'll pick up some, you know, programs, team sheets, get some autographs perhaps. And hopefully for the main prize, we're going to try and get a team shirt. Um, again, when, when it comes to things like the autographs, it's slightly subject to how the players' moods are in the mix zone. But over the course of the season, we should be able to collect some some genuinely interesting prizes there. So if you want to get involved, head to the Facebook page and sign up to our newsletter and, and get involved. Okay, perfect. So, again, Andrew, just to sort of finish your side off, if you like, your your personal Twitter account for people to follow. Uh, yeah, my, my personal Twitter is at Andrew M-I-J Flint. Okay, perfect. And I am Thomas underscore Giles underscore UK. So Thomas underscore Giles, which is G-I-L-E-S underscore UK. So again, thanks for listening to this podcast. Um, do keep an eye on the, the Russian Football News website that we've mentioned, all the social media outputs that, that I'm not going to mention again because there's too many of them to go through. But do just keep an eye out on social media. Twitter is quite a big one. Russian Football News Facebook, which Andrew does a lot of live stuff on. And uh, World Football Index listeners, we, we welcome you to the platform once again. We hope you've enjoyed these first couple of episodes and we hope we uh, we can keep you on board for the for the season, at least.